Okay, I'm standing outside of a polling location. It's one of the largest in New Hampshire, and there's like a really long line of voters. Um, and um, in the last like 30 minutes or so, I have noticed some Secret Service agents pull up, um, a little bit more police than were here earlier this morning. So it's giving Trump is about to be here. They want a great country. They want a country where we say, make America great again. There's nothing like, make America great again. That's all you have to say. We are making America great. For months, candidates have been barnstorming New Hampshire in one of America's longest political traditions, the New Hampshire primaries. But last night, there wasn't a lot of suspense. Former President Donald Trump was declared the winner on the Republican side, almost as soon as the polls closed. When you win... Iowa and you in New Hampshire, they've never had a loss. There's never been. So we're not going to be the first, I can tell you. And I just I just do want to reiterate the polls. We're way up on everybody. We're way up on Biden. There was only one major candidate who stood against Trump when voters went to the polls. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. New Hampshire was widely seen to be a make or break for her campaign. Now, many are wondering how long Haley will even stay in this race. But on Tuesday night, she was defiant. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And the next one is my sweet state of South Carolina. On the Democratic side, President Joe Biden won the primary easily, which wouldn't have been surprising, except for the fact that he wasn't even on the ballot. You all know that the DNC chose to take Joe Biden's name off the ballot. Right. And they thought that would be the end of it, right? No, exactly. Not in New Hampshire. Because we do things the New Hampshire way. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm your guest host, Arjun Singh. It's very early on Wednesday, January 24th. Today, I talked to my colleague, campaign reporter Meryl Cornfield, and we're here in your feeds early to recap what happened in the New Hampshire primary and ask if Donald Trump has cemented his grip on the GOP. So, Meryl, it's about 10.43 p.m. on Tuesday night, primary night. We're both here in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I'm talking to you at a write-in Biden watch party What do we know about these results so far? So far, we know that Trump and Biden each won their respective primaries. Um, And I could say that overall, I think this matched with expectations. What people thought was going to happen um, polling ahead of this showed that Biden and Trump were expected to win. And I think that's what we saw tonight. Were you surprised by how everything unfolded tonight? I wouldn't say I was surprised by the result. Um, I was surprised by how fast it happened. Yeah, it was called at like 8 o'clock, it felt like. And everyone here was also surprised. At the Biden write-in watch party, remarks were supposed to start at 10, and instead they were already heading to stage at 8.30, which just shows how early everything happened. So I know that there's been a lot of speculation that New Hampshire could be the last contest on the Republican side of the ticket, which was seeing Nikki Haley going up against Donald Trump. Given everything that happened tonight, 
Does it seem like Nikki Haley really has a viable path forward to keep her campaign going now? Nikki Haley on the trail talks a lot about how scrappy she is, and these results really measure up to that. And she was also behind in Iowa, too, right? She was at third in Iowa, now second here. And now we're looking at South Carolina, where there's a big Trump base. So, But also her home state, right? And her home state. So that's a devastating place to lose. And a lot of strategists I've talked with in South Carolina have said that that's Trump country. And, you know, he's made that point in New Hampshire when he's brought out South Carolinian endorsements like Senator Tim Scott, who was a previous contender in this, um, who announced his endorsement in New Hampshire to prove his point that he dominates there. So right now, it does sound like she plans on staying in that race. We talked last night on Post Reports about Trump's ongoing legal troubles that he's facing and how those could intersect with this election. I'm curious, is that part of Haley's calculation for staying in the race? Does she think that these indictments could really damage him as the election goes on? Haley is different from like a Chris Christie, another former presidential contender who made, um, you know, a big show of criticizing Trump and talking about the court cases. Haley does not do that. But I think we'll probably see more of that already in the last week. We've seen her criticize Trump a bit more, talking about where he misspeaks. Um, And she has a line that she uses a lot on the trail where she says chaos follows him. And we saw in her speech tonight, she said it's, you know, one bout of chaos after another, this court case, that controversy, this tweet, I think that shows that she's ready to take on the legal challenges maybe a little bit more than she has before. And one thing that I've been thinking about is looking at the results tonight. Trump won about 53% as of the time that we're talking. And Trump is clearly the front runner, but he's still only securing just a bit more than half of the voters in these primaries. And that seems lower than I would expect, given that he's more or less operating from this incumbent status as the former president. Is that your read, too? And what do these results say to you? He has a challenge status in the Republican Party. And we can see that in, um, I think, one great way to look at this is if you look at the first two states that he's competed in, Iowa and New Hampshire, the governors in both of those states did not endorse him. They endorsed his opponents. So that just shows how divided the Republican Party is. And while he clearly has a very enthusiastic base, there's also some big doubts about him and his chance of success against Biden, his chance of success in the court cases, how much more chaos and um, will follow him, as Haley puts it. Um, and I think that there are some doubts in Republican voters' minds from what I've heard from them. Now, maybe this is just the way that I'm perceiving this race, but when there are a lot more candidates, it felt like Trump wasn't necessarily out on the campaign trail as much as the others. And before this, he was really focusing his attacks on first Ron DeSantis, who our colleague Michael Scherer had told me he really wanted to extinguish in Iowa. Now that it is this two-way race, do you think we're going to be seeing Trump more out on the campaign trail? And how has he talked about Nikki Haley? What are the attacks that he's made on Nikki Haley? I wonder about that, too, if we will see more of Trump. I think in his mind, he does not see a reason to go after Nikki Haley on a debate stage because he, you know, has done very well in every state. And why should he? He said that early on. He said, 
I'm not going to debate against someone who um, is trailing behind me. And he says that she is trailing behind him. So I think we're going to continue to see the same strategy that he knows has worked for him so far. And that's big campaign speeches with his enthusiastic base that's going to court and calling every case against him a witch hunt and talking about how he is a martyr for his Republican voters. And that, you know, I think he knows that that has definitely appealed to the voters that have voted for him so far. But in his speech tonight, he did bring up Nikki Haley. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. I think what that speech showed and what you've heard from him on the trail, especially in recent days since DeSantis has dropped out, is that Haley is the new target for Trump, that he is going to go after her hard. Um, And I think we're going to see that in South Carolina, which is going to be devastating to see in her own state that he will bring up all these lawmakers that she used to work with and, you know, just talk about how they are endorsing him. And he will complain about her record. And um, we're going to see a lot more of it for sure. He went to a a polling location here in New Hampshire, and I've seen him before, and I've never seen him in a situation like that recently, Um, talking with voters. He he worked the crowd, and when it came to talking with reporters and he was asked, how are you going to appeal to Haley voters? He said, I think we're fine. We don't really have to worry about it. What was that like for you to be that close to Trump? Was there anything surprising or different from seeing him that close in person versus how you had seen him before? What was that like? The scene was interesting because I was watching him really try to impress upon the media how enthusiastic his base was. And he made this point to the cameras that You know, he just showed up and this fan base was there. I just stopped here and I figured I'd see three or four people and maybe walk inside and you see a crowd like this. And this is, this is organic. This is organic. Having been at that polling location for hours and seeing you know, this volunteer show up and then trickling in like those fans of his that have been close to the campaign and they passed out shirts and they passed out signs and they got swept by security and everything was coordinated before he arrived. The idea that this was some impromptu um, devoted fan base, you know, is kind of a balloon that popped before my eyes. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was, it was it was interesting to see how different it is from his very choreographed rallies where, you know, he always has the same music, Macho Man plays. YMCA. YMCA. And, you know, you hear all the hits and you see him come out and he repeats the same speech nearly every time with a few changes. And, you know, this was, there was no teleprompter when you're working in a crowd. And it was a very different scene. After the break, Merrill and I talk about how President Biden won the New Hampshire primary without appearing on the ballot. We'll be right back.
So, Meryl, there was also a Democratic primary happening in New Hampshire. You and I are both here at a Biden write-in watch event. We discussed that on Post Reports on Monday. The DNC is not recognizing this. There were two challengers to Biden anyway. So what happened tonight and what was some of the context that it happened in? Yeah, so because this is an unsanctioned primary, it did not follow DNC rules. Therefore, they said that the delegates for New Hampshire won't be seated. This was something that was so unusual. We've never seen anything like this. Also, another facet that makes this unique was that Biden was not on the ballot. He was a write-in candidate. There was no campaign stops here. He never came. And the campaign was volunteers, you know, longtime Democrats in the state coming together and holding signs outside of their precinct that said, write-in Joe Biden, and explaining to voters how that worked. And we saw that a lot of voters in the Democratic primary wrote his name in. And I think that it's interesting to see how this played out in a state that feels so passionate about its first-in-the-nation status and getting to vet the candidates firsthand, because a lot of voters told me they were really excited to get to do that and disappointed that Biden didn't come. But they were excited to write his name in. But ultimately, they felt like their enthusiasm for his record prevailed. So does that, for you, Meryl, look like he does really have a strong base of support and enthusiasm from people, at least here in New Hampshire, and that's something that could boost him in the general election? There are still doubts in the party nationally, but I think this definitely shows a good base, solid base of support here in New Hampshire, which is an important state. So that's a good sign for the Biden campaign. I'm sure people in D.C. who had nothing to do with what was going on here are celebrating tonight. But, you know, I think that he's now going on to South Carolina, which is a state that he did very well in in 2020. And he wanted to be first in the primaries, right? Exactly. And I think after that, we'll see how he does in Michigan and other states that follow. But already this is a very promising sign. And, you know, to also add to that, um, he really has no major challengers in this race. There was um, Dean Phillips, a representative from Minnesota, whose main argument was that, um, you know, he wanted to provide a new alternative to Democratic voters that could, uh, you know, the Democratic voters who are tired of Biden and want another and tired of Trump and want an alternative, he could be that person. But he got 20 percent of the vote from what we can see so far here. So that does not show that that message really resonated so far. And I know that you've spent a pretty good amount of time with Representative Phillips. He's been saying things like there's little enthusiasm for Biden, but then you see the results of tonight. So what's Dean Phillips's long game here? Was it New Hampshire or bust? And does it seem like this could be the end of his run? He definitely poured a lot of resources into New Hampshire. He himself, a business magnet, um, his family is well known for their alcohol distillery company, and he ran Talenti. And he put $5 million into this campaign. He had a super PAC from Silicon Valley supporting him and a lot of money behind him. They put out a lot of ads. A lot of voters I talked with said that they recognized him from his ads. But in the end, that didn't work to beat Biden. Well, Meryl, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's great to be here in Manchester with you. Thanks for being here today. 
Thanks for coming out. Meryl Cornfield is a campaign reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening to this special early edition of our show. This episode was produced by Rennie Svernowski and me. It was mixed by Justin Garish and edited by Maggie Penman. Let us know what you think. Is this the kind of campaign coverage that's useful to you? Send us an email to postreports at washpost.com. And check out our news briefing, The 7, every morning at 7 a.m. for the latest on all the news you need in the morning. I'm Arjun Singh. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 